Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, Pentecost, celebrating the early harvest, a feast that celebrates the early harvest, the, the winter wheat. So from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, hear the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as the fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, all, in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show portents in the heaven above, and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God has gone for broke, pouring out the Spirit on all flesh. Pentecost is something else. Fire and wind and speaking in tongues. And it calls for interpretation because everyone asks, what does this mean? And some said they're drunk. That's what it means. But Peter said, no, no. God is going for broke. The Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Flesh. It's what you've read about. It's what you've heard about. Sons and daughters will prophesy and young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. Poured out on all flesh. Even Presbyterians. I know that's hard to believe. We tend to leave the, the fire and the, the wind and the speaking of tongues to people who walk into sanctuaries and don't require bulletins. 
No, for Presbyterians, we usually tell the Spirit what to do. Spirit, the committee voted, and we're giving you three and a half minutes during the offertory to do whatever it is that you do. Now, don't get out of hand. If you do well, we'll give you four and a half minutes next year. Who knows? But this text seems to suggest that God doesn't follow directions. God went for broke. All out, fire and wind and speaking in tongues. God has poured out God's Spirit on all flesh, even Presbyterians. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Does it mean chaos and confusion? Well, when it happened to Jesus, you may remember he was sitting down in in worship. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So it is that the pouring out of the spirit can look like getting your eyesight back, getting The spirit can look like being released, released from someone or something or some time. I conducted a memorial service yesterday for a woman who was an artist. I mean, an amazing artist. I was taken by her work She painted portraits, and she painted portraits really, really well. She could see beauty in everyone, but oddly, she could not see beauty in herself. She could rescue people from their past, but she had a difficult time rescuing herself from her past. She would sponsor and sponsor and sponsor people through 12-step programs, trying to get them free from whatever had a hold on them. She saw them as beautiful. She saw them as people made in the image of God. She saw them as people who needed to be set free. And I say, that spirit, that spirit. But as I said, oddly, she could not get free herself. But the people around her, her friends, her family, with much grace, with much grace, with much prayer, with much care. They kept trying and trying. And I say, that spirit, a spirit that intercedes for us in groans that are too deep for words, God has poured out God's spirit on all flesh, What does that mean? 
Paul says the Spirit lands on all flesh. It bears fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What does that mean? I have a friend that whenever he goes into a difficult conversation with someone, and if he knows he's going to go into that conversation, he runs through the fruit of the spirits. He gets it in his head. It, he just says it, or he prays it, I don't know. Lord, give me love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, he says it makes a difference. What's he doing? Waking the spirit up that has fallen on his flesh? Or is he waking himself up to the spirit that has fallen on all flesh? I don't know, but he says it works. As if he knows how the future is going to go. He's heading into a rough conversation, but as if he knows how the future is going to go, because it's going to sound like love and joy and peace and kindness and patience and generosity, self-control, falls on all flesh. And isn't that a welcome change? Isn't that a welcome change? We seem to be living in a time when we're not sure what is going to happen next. It's a time when you can hardly make any plans because the flight has been canceled or you tested positive again or the part hasn't arrived. Do you buy now or do you wait? Sprinkle on top of that mass shootings and the right to life or guns or death or whatever. And what we sow is hatred and anger and war and impatience and meanness and tight-fistedness and unfaithfulness and abuse of power and lack of self-control. And that seems to have fallen on all of us. I had my 30th seminary reunion this past week. Reunion, that's not quite what it was. There were three people from my class, and none of us knew each other. <laughs> it was more of a union than a reunion. Anyway, there were lots of other classes that were there and better attended, and we worshipped all together in a full chapel and it was wonderful and affirming worship and the singing to get a bunch of pastors in a chapel singing. I mean, it just rocks the walls. It was great faith-giving. God is not dead. There were great lectures throughout the week. Kate Bowler was there from Duke University. I don't know if you remember, Kate came to talk to our congregation a number of years back about uh, the megachurch movement. A few months after she talked to us about the mega church movement, she learned that she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And doctors gave her six months to live. She speaks now a lot about living in precarity. 
precarity. And she talks a lot about how there is no cure for being human. Can you imagine being a young mother and told you only have a few months to live? No, that doesn't make any sense. I know my future. It's to raise a family, to get the kids through school, to get them married, to have grandchildren. What she was trying to do in this lecture with her words is to remind us all that we do not know how life will go. We don't know. It can turn on a dime. This year, two of my closest classmates of seminary died. That's not the way it's supposed to go. Too young. Life can turn on a dime. Precarity. And we've had a huge dose of precarity <laughs> these last few years. And we all want to get back to the way it was. But no matter how hard we try to get back to the way it was, it's not going to come. Any more than Kate can live the life she lived pre-cancer. You understand? I, I don't blame you if you don't understand. Because Kate said, the way we try to, to get through these times is we try to be invincible. I can beat this thing. I can get my life back. But she says at the other end of the spectrum is that life is so fragile. So very fragile. Children went to school one morning. We want to be invincible. And this is the time in which we live. Kate gave a helpful illustration for how we might live in this time. She talked about the Appalachian Trail and people who try to hike the whole trail. It's a 2,000-mile journey. And when you're preparing for that hike, you're preparing for a lot of the unknown. It's 2,000 miles. How are you going to do that? And so you go after the unknown with every defense mechanism you know how to do. She said, what you tend to do is overpack. And as you start out on the trail, you start to flag. And the first stop is the most important one because she said there are people there who will say to you, what can you let go of? What can you lay down? Is there anything? The extra frying pan? Maybe you can get rid of eight of the ten socks? The sweaters? What can you lay down? The 200 granola bars? What can you let go of?
And that's where we are. In this time of unknown, it's time to ask ourselves, what can we lay down? Jesus sends his disciples out. Do you remember? He says, go and preach the kingdom of God. And then he says, take nothing with you. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no clothes. And when they did that, it was as if the Spirit fell on their flesh. And it was as if the kingdom of God had come. And do you know, Herod got a little nervous because he thought John the Baptist was raised from the dead. And that's power. That's power and that's life. So it is that we are people who are called forth for these times. These precarious times. We are people who can go for broke for we have nothing to lose. And if we lose our lives, even God will raise that up. And we have everything to gain for it's harvest time. And the harvest is righteousness. The harvest is justice. The harvest is peace. The harvest is patience. The harvest is love. The harvest is kindness. The harvest is peace. The harvest is self-control. The harvest. The harvest. Go for broke. 